Testing, testing, one, two, and three. Is this thing on? This is Breaking Out the Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Naylor, and this is episode eight. Hey, welcome to 2018. Good to have you along. If this is your first episode, if this is your eighth episode, or somewhere in the middle, I'm stoked that you're listening. What are you up to? What do you got planned for 2018? What are you creating? You know, I love hearing from my listeners. I get a message or two every week about the latest episode, but I love more. I'd love you to email me, message me on Facebook, contact me via Twitter, and just say, hey, I've listened to the episode, this is what I thought of it, and more importantly, this is what I'm building, this is what I'm creating. I'd love to check it out, I'd love to share it with my followers. Let me know what you're up to. Very, very small apology for the delay in releasing this latest episode. There's been three weeks between episodes, but you know, I needed a holiday. I was on holiday with a friend and we were talking about cadence, about the regularity of releasing episodes and keeping it up. And I think that's a really, really important thing. There's so much advice out there that centers around being regular with your production, with your output. doesn't matter if you're writing, taking photographs, creating any sort of art. Do it every day, they say. You build a body over time. And cadence is an important part of that, right? The key thing being every day, or in my case, every week. But I needed a break. I had a big year. I needed some time out. So I took the family, took the kids and the wife, jumped in the combi, went around the South Island for three weeks. I did take my gear with me. There was a possibility that I could record some interviews down south. Heck, there's probably a hell of a lot of good creatives in the South Island, but you know what? Family holidays and podcasts do not mix. Barely had the time to think about it, let alone take my gear out. So here we are, three weeks into 2018, and I'm back on track. Episode 8. I thought today's episode would be a little bit different. Today's guest is approaching things slightly different than society tells us that we should do things. And he's approaching things slightly differently than I definitely do, and many of my peers do. Yep, today's guest is still a creator. He's still an artist. He's still trying to make money from his art. But I want today's interview to make you question your privilege. Today's guest was studying architecture, and he got a little jaded. Him and his friends, they're big into social justice. What they're trying to do is create something that benefits not just them, but the community around them. A lot of us lead a relatively privileged life, and in all honesty, we're kind of selfish about the way we go about things. And I'm hoping that today's guest makes you rethink that. He says things far more eloquently than I ever could, so let's get into it. Welcome today to Breaking Out the Podcast. I've got a really, really special guest in the combi here today. This is something potentially a little bit different than some of my other interviewees, although maybe not. We'll see how it goes here. So today I've got Ryu. Rui. Today I've got Rui. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I'd get that wrong at least once. All good. Um, welcome. Welcome to the combi today, mate. All good. It's really good to be here. Fantastic. <laughs> Pleasure to have you. And you are um, part of a design uh, group, yep. team, collaboration. Yep. How do you, How do you? what do you call it? Yep. So um, we call ourselves a circular design lab. Circular design lab. Mm, nice. And um, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's how we will start maybe. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and who's in the team? Um, so there's myself um, and the other co-founder, Andy, um, and we have a third shareholder, Adam. And we also have um, a group of volunteers, about two or three of them, um, Sarah and Kiwin. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Who give you guys some time because they yeah. love what you're doing. And yeah, yeah. Out. Absolutely amazing and generous folks. So, Very. Yeah. yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> and so you are you a, are you a designer by yeah. by trade, by heart? Is that what you do? Mm, you so, design background? So by, by training, I'm a, I, I train as an architect. Architect, um, right. 2000, and finished in 2013. Um, and a bit of the story, I think, is... is um, so... A lot of my friends are youth workers and social workers, and, and, and two of my best mates when we were growing up, 
um, when we were growing up, we, we, we have a, quite a strong kind of orientation towards um, social justice. And so um, when I actually went into university, um, one of the biggest things that I've actually felt quite disillusioned because there's a, there's a, there was a massive sort of theme around self-driven success culture, like, you know, the self-made man. Absolutely. And so the, and so the pace of that actually um, got me really disillusioned. I went to university thinking that, oh man, it's going to be epic. I'm going to find, you know, like brothers from other mother, mothers and sisters from different misters. Um, <laughs> but it turned out to be quite a, um, quite a hard space, at, at, at least my, my experience it is. And so from there on, the biggest, I guess, the biggest, um, the question that we will look into is or that I kind of, kind of like maybe the, the mantra that I've kind of have is that like how might my deepest desire meet the world's deepest need? So that's kind of where it grew. And about in, in, in about third year, um, I took a, I took a year out, and I moved in and I um I found a group of friends experimenting living in community, and so um yeah we we moved into these flats and it was it's it's, it's in this neighbourhood. So there's about so I'm not sure if you know Roscoe well. So there's um in Roscoe you have Wesley, which is here in the school. And then you got Roscoe and Roscoe South, and they're they're kind of like the last social housing forts in a neighbourhood that's central, you know, like ideally placed is, and yeah. going through gentrification. Yeah. And so, and sort of in 2010, we moved into this community. Is and this we, your neighbourhood in general? Is this where you yeah. grew up? Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't grow up here actually. Right. So we we um so I'm a I'm an immigrant from China. Yeah. And we moved to South Auckland and then spent most of my life in East Auckland. Yeah. And then so it wasn't until 2010, yep. about seven years ago, that we I moved into the into this neighbourhood. Sure. Yeah. Okay, and so keep telling me about keep telling me about that where you moved during that time. So yeah. was in your, when you took a year out, third year, you took yeah. a year out. So yeah, and said, hey, let's move yeah. into this neighbourhood. Well, so I, I in university I got burnt out. Um, it was just yeah, I think I think the pace, the, comp- the competitive pace was was quite difficult for me, and so. Um, you enjoyed the work because you were still there was architecture at the time. I, I think I did. I think I did. Think yeah, you enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. You really didn't like didn't like yeah. the environment. Yeah, I, I, I loved nature. I loved the creativity. I loved the experimental nature of it. I just felt that um, there was there was this awareness that like a lot of the energy and focus was spent solving the wrong problems. Um, so when we're talking about you know like for example one percent of New Zealand you know last like optimistically is homeless, um, the role of architecture and design should respond to that. But like that kind of conversation. Um, I wouldn't say it wasn't it wasn't existent, but it was very hard to, to to experiment and play with. And so, part of the burnout for me, actually, I had a car accident in two thousand and nine, and I just realised, oh man, I need to actually, yeah, I need to, I need to do it differently. I need to do a bit of self work. And so, it was it was around about that time where there was a group of pe- there was a group of people at at the time, early to late twenties, that they were experimenting with living in community with sort of this mantra of like. How do we, you know, like share everything that we have with our neighbours except our wives, kind of thing? And um, in that year, we were just building relationships, getting to know our neighbours, having a lot of meals, you know, like hanging out with people from this neighbourhood who's got colourful stories from, you know, like being mongrel mob and black power and and people who'd be part of like used to be like um, or people who are mentally ill. Um, and you and I learned that like quite over time, like it wasn't so much about charity, but it was really about like mutual belonging you know like I needed a place as a young person to belong and here was this community of people wanting to belong to and so over the you know the sort of like the last it's been what seven years now like our neighbours and our neighbours have become some of my closest friends and mentors and teachers yeah and so that's kind of how I guess like being in a community like this then shaped really heavily the way I thought about 
design and architecture and, and how we, you know, like how we do things. And, and when, I, I don't know if you know, but like, you know, like when your friends, well, when your neighbors become really, really good friends, really close friends, what happens to them, like gets quite personal for you. Yeah. So, you know, when you see young people who are like really talented um, that and struggling in the traditional um, education system, um, yeah, like don't have, you know, opportunities. And so like, yeah, they get bored and, you know, they, they find belonging in their own way. Um, or when you find sort of like migrants and refugees with really high creative and cultural capital, not having any, you know, like again, access opportunity is really difficult. Um, or when you see like the art marketing of housing and you see some of your neighbors getting pushed out because they can't afford, you know, the housing, the, the housing price anymore. Like Housing New Zealand will sell a house to the private landlord. Um, they get displaced, crazy, and yeah. so like it, it becomes really personal. And so right about that, right about that time, uh, my friend Andy and I were saying, yeah, like who was who were living, you know, we were living in this community together at, at, at that time. Um, we we're just saying, like, is there a way for you know, like, for an architect like me and for a teacher like him to respond to what we see to the challenges of our neighbours? And that was about four years ago, and that's how Critical was formed. That's how we are get here today with Critical. Yeah, yeah, I commend yeah. you on that, right? Yeah, yeah. Because all, to, for you at that young age, at university, to yeah. see that um, is is hugely commendable. Because so many yeah. of us go there and fall into that trap and that cycle mm. of of being of looking after ourselves, of racing to the top, of yeah. fighting that fight to be to be the best, yeah. and never ever see out of that, and yeah, never yeah. ever look around us at what everyone else next to us or around us is doing yeah. and how we can actually integrate and support them. We're all just like in a race to the top, which yeah. is phenomenal. Well yeah. done. Yeah, I, I, th I think um, I can't take any credit for that. I think, you know, as, as, as everyone, like we're products of our environment. Yeah. And so I've had, um, I've luckily had enough, you know, had good friends, good friends around me, good family friends um, who were sort of incredibly non-compromising, you know, like we, we need it. We need to, we need to try and do the right thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually grew up as immigrant with that strong narrative of personal success, build your empire. Did you? Um, right. And so that's actually been quite a big theme for me to actually, yeah, to, yeah. to go, wow. Um, and yeah. where are your family in terms of supporting you now? Yeah, so um, <laughs> so my, my folks um, live in Melbourne. And um, so their story is that they were immigrants from China. They grew up in poverty. Um, they grew up through the Cultural Revolution in China. They saw, you know, they saw a famine. They saw poverty as, as, as I think communism was getting was was in power, um, and so like understandably so, you know, like as um like you when when you're when you're sort of in poverty, um, you kind of see that in order for you to be happy, you got to have opportunity to have opportunity. You got to have um you know like like choices to have choices. You got to have money to have money. You got to be really good at what you do. And so the narrative for me growing up has actually have been have been this kind of narrative. Like you got to be really competitive, you got to like um, be better at everyone else, and then you're gonna like build your own little empire. But I grew up in a very different context to them. Yes. And so like I guess for me this there's always been kind of this um du dualism or like a dichotomy between what my parents want for me, and then having my upbringing in this context, seeing it very from a very different angle. So I, I got really good at fighting them <laughs> and, right. dis and disagreeing disagreeing yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and they support you in that though I think I think at the stage Dave um, they've resigned and so they just <laughs> right. go oh yeah you know like yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm 28 and I've you know I've got yeah. my, own, my own family so yeah yeah sure <laughs> hey we're all doing that just a little bit I think yeah. we all rebel yeah. even just a little bit against our parents yeah. and what they there's, want from us um, there's, there's a, there's a um, Native American 
um, I think saying that goes like a boy doesn't become a man until he deeply disappoints their parents. Yeah, right. And so, I've never um, heard that, but that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We all do it in, in yeah, some way, yeah. right? So, yeah, I guess yeah. we're all manly now. No? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We've made it. Yes. Fantastic. So Critical Design yeah, yeah. sprung up about four years ago. You mm. and Andy saying, hey, yep. look, we've got the, the skills. Yeah. I'm an architect, and what does he? What, what's his? He's in design as well. Is he yeah. So Andy, Andy is a teacher by training. Yeah, teacher. Um, but man, if you know him, he's 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 an innovator and Fantastic. he's an entrepreneur. Okay, yeah, yeah. so Andy's this teacher, innovator, entrepreneur. Yeah. You are as well. I know you are. <laughs> yeah. But um, you've also got this architecture skill and background yeah. here, and you've said let's let's create critical. Mm. Um, but what we're trying to do here is we're trying to do good for the community, social yeah. good, right? Yeah, and and as you say it really beautifully on the insight, where you say um, it's the I think you say I could get the words wrong here, but you say something like the intersection between mm. social impact and a sustainable business, mm. or the crossroads of a sustainable business yeah. and social impact, right? So you're really trying to make a difference in your neighbourhood, right? Yeah. But also run a business here, right? Yeah, is that yeah, it? Definitely, I I think a big learning has been um, so you know one story we can tell you is that we spent about two and a half years. Um, you know, like working with these six boys. Um, so there's a, there's a good friend of mine. He's a youth worker, and he's amazing, Michael Smith. And he um, he worked with um, I think he worked with like the boys in this neighbourhood. I mean, over a period of ten years, they've all become you know like youth leaders and stuff. Great. So he's done amazing That's work, amazing. and he and he approached us I think um, about two and a half years ago, and he said that um, we've got a group of young people that sort of. Um, like that don't do so well in the traditional sport and recreation and they're they're kind of more creative people. And so we we thought, hey, is there is there a way for us to, you know, like sort of try and play like and, and experiment with an idea with them? And so we we asked them like we introduced them to the design, we introduced them to three D printing and um in, in about three months they developed these like three D printed vases. Um each sort of they own themselves and they have a story themselves about it too. Um and they took it into market to sell. But the biggest learning that we learned was actually like, as we were working with these boys and doing these workshops every week, they were going home to their parents and their parents were saying to them like, what are you doing? Like, go get a real job? Go get a real job as a laborer? And so we were kind of like battling this uphill battle. Fighting that battle, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so like, and we learned that like, yeah. And so in order for us to do, actually do this work well, first of all, like, it's not a short-term thing. It's a long-term thing. And second of, and second of all, in order for us to be responsible, like, this can't be a program that then drops off in three months, but we actually have to provide actual opportunities. And so that was when there was a big shift in us to go, yeah, like if we want to do our community justice, we need to be a really good business as much as we hope to, you know, like as much as we hope the mission, you know, is, is yeah, it's good too. Yeah. And so that was about four years ago. That Was that that shift? Yeah. About, about four three, years ago. Three, yeah, 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 three okay. years ago. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And so what does critical look like now for you guys? Where are you at? Yeah. That's a, that's a really good question, man. I think um, we're still, like, we're still experimenting heaps. But um, when we started... That, I mean, three or four years is quite young, right? I, I, would, probably, I, would, I would love to say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But You've sometimes I feel like... a huge yeah. amount. You've probably achieved a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. And maybe it feels like it's been a long time, but I still yeah. think that's early days. You, is you that know. right? Yeah, that, that's really encouraging to hear, bro. Like. <laughs> I, I think if you... I mean, let's talk about some of the stories and some of the things you've done, but if you've made an impact in that short yeah. space of time, I can't wait to see what you'll achieve in another five or 10 or 20 yeah. years, even yeah. more. So, uh, so tell uh, me about it. I mean, that's, that's, very, that's very kind of you. I think um, it's, it's always... I guess it's always nice to see the perspectives of people looking in from the outside. Cause I think, I guess for, for Andy and I, when we're in it, um, we're, we can be pretty self-critical and pretty hard on ourselves saying, okay, oh man, yeah, like sure. what? Um, so I, I, I guess like when we, like one of the things 
that Andy and I are quite drawn towards is always like new problems. So like every project, you know, like that, that we do have to solve a problem. Um, so the Roscoe South Makers was about, um, you've got talented young outliers in our community um, that has no opportunity. And we, when we asked, we asked the challenge, like, is there a way for us to like get them to tell better stories about the neighborhood um, by creating hopefully a business that they can run themselves using design and technology as a vehicle to, to get to that space. The Plastics of Fonterra was a response to Fonterra coming to us and going, can you help us reduce um, our commercial plastic waste? And we go, yeah, we can. Um, and and then we have the saying that like, so we get a commercial project and is there a way for us to hijack that project for social impact by inviting our neighbours to come and do the project with us? Wow. And and be able to pay them if we can as well. Yeah, but um, also get the commercial benefit out of it as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of this thing about like, you know, there's really two types of people we're trying to create value for, like the people who actually pay us to do the projects and also people in our community that we started this for in, in the first place. Yeah. And so, the, so and so, yeah, I mean, I guess it's all being, yeah. And, and then I guess with the, um, with the coffins was like the oh, funeral yeah. director approached us. Yeah, saying, so actually, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk let's a little bit in detail with those. So the, the Fonterra yeah. one is actually the one that first um, came to my attention because I saw you guys at the General Collective, which is a big yeah. fair up here in Auckland. Yeah. And I saw these tables and I was like, wow, yeah. what are these beautiful things? Yeah. So Fonterra approached you and they said, hey, we're recycling uh, old plastic milk bottles. Yeah. What can yeah. we do with these, right? Yeah. Is that, is that what it was? Yep. So, yep. so Fonterra initially said that... Um, they want to reduce their um, plastic waste stream. So they have, you know, their anchor light proof bottles and their, um, I think is there like the Dairy Dale or, or those, you know, clear bottles. So the anchor light proof is like the the dark bottles, but it's actually got three layers, white, gray, and black. Yeah, right. And so they, they were trying to integrate their waste stream and they were trying to look for ways to do that. So they originally approached us and asked us, goes, can you make 3D printing filament out of the recycled plastics? Um, we, we did 3D print for it. We're like, yeah, you can, but it's not going to give you kind of the, um, the scalability you know, like the thing that you want. So we can't, we pitched them back and we said, it's better if you, um, yeah, like if you, you know, like press them into a sheet, that way it's easier to manufacture. And then Great. the application is much wider yeah, and sure. it looks a lot sexier. You went you back know? to them and said, hey, this is a better, better use. And they said, okay. Yeah, and they said, yeah, let's 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 do it. Um, and so they, they ended up, I think they ended up funding us about um, 17 grand in which we use as almost seed capital to build, you know, like the machines. So we built a CNC machine. Um, we found a guy developing CNC machine kits because we couldn't afford a commercial one. This is the, so the, the CNC kits.nz. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, like we worked with him to develop a full scale one and then we built it ourselves. He did the electronics and helped us, you know, through wow. this. Wow, good stuff. Um, we used that money to build a really large oven that we used to melt the pressed plastics. Yeah. Um, watched some YouTube videos and watched some different <laughs> blogs and, yep. and, and then Literally kind of scaled, the yeah, and just yep. kind of scaled um, the plastic waste, um, the plastic size. The size of the sheets, and then to yeah, basically cut furniture or anything else we yeah. want. Yeah, and so what I've seen you guys create is stools, mm. uh, coffee tables, yeah. and then even massive big trestle tables, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so you're 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 having those created um, using a lot of these tools that you've built yeah. yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. custom custom <laughs> yeah. machines to build these custom tables. Yeah. How are, is the community involved in in these processes as well? You're getting kids in to help you. Yeah, yeah. These? So one one example, like for example, so being in the school, is that um, Andy used our um, plastic project with Fonterra um, to, I think I think the U I think there was um, I think last year, um, the UN has created a mandate of plastic reduction, and so Andy actually used the process that we developed to work with um, to, to to do like design thinking workshops with Wesley Intermediate kids. 
to get them thinking, like take the kids through a participatory design and product development process wow. where they learn from the start, here's the problem, plastic waste, here's a way for us to, you know, like reuse them and to turn them into something useful. And then here's a way to think about customer needs to develop a product that then, you know, you can potentially take into market. So basically all the stuff that like we were trying to do ourselves, we were trying to, sh we were trying to share so that, yeah. and, and, and with the ethos with that, like, is that like, you know, how do we get our young people to, you know, to see themselves as like problem solvers and to, to see themselves like, yeah, there might be challenges in the neighborhood, but like actually you can, there's actually, there are actually opportunities as, as opposed to problems. Yeah, yeah, that's great, right? You're not, you're actually not just bringing them in just to help you as hands build something. You're actually bringing them in through the whole process. So you're bringing them we in try and saying, to, at here's least, the yeah. problem. We do try to, yeah. Here's how we can possibly yeah. solve it and then showing them right through to the commercial side of things, right? This yeah. is what we end up with and this is how we can sell it. Yeah, yeah. They're involved in that whole process, which is amazing. Yeah. And these tables, for instance, um, mm. or stools and tables retail for, I don't know, 100 to three, four, 500 bucks. Yeah, right? yeah. So, yeah. Which is quite reasonable, pro yeah. probably typical price for, for yeah. a piece of furniture yeah. um, but think about the social good that you that this has done mm. and the fact that it's recycled material yeah it's, everyone's yeah. winning really it's great yeah yeah, yeah. hopefully I, I think um, I mean if I can just share honestly about our feedback is we've learned that um, you know like by going through the markets and stuff we've learned that like you know there's there's a lot of people who come and approach us and say that hey look the story is really amazing um, you know like the plastic looks really good um, you know, we're so glad, like literally our feedback is being like, hey, look, we're so glad that someone is finally doing this. But then they will kind of just, you know, but, like, walk away and not right, buy anything. Right, right, right. And so right. like we, we learned that like, and here's what you mentioned, like the intersection between, you know, like a sustainable business and a social enterprise is that is actually like, um, like again, like a fall back, it falls back on like the value that you're trying to create for people. And, and there are, yes, there are like the, the easier thing for us is that is, is the social side. But the thing that we're still trying to work out is the commercial side. Yeah. And so all this, like, you know, like not, not really a lot of people buys furniture, like on the fly or off the cuff. Okay. Um, furniture is quite a decided decision. Sure, sure. Um, because it's quite a, it's, it's an investment, right? You, you kind of want to try it out. You want to see how long, you know, like how long it lasts. And so a big learning for us actually being that, you know, with the general collective markets, although the feedback is good, the best kind of feedback is actually, you know, you should buy one of these products that we can continue to invest in our, into our projects. And that hasn't been as, you know, as, as exciting as we, we, we like it to be. Yeah, right. And so part of the, okay, cool. So let's, let's think about why that is. Uh -huh. what, is a, what is a need that is currently not being addressed by, by the market at that stage? And is there a way for us to then address that need and bring all the social and, you know, design and all that story into that. So where are you, so at? It's a, yeah. where are you at on that journey then? Have you yeah, figured yeah. that out or are you still in the early um, stages of that? We're, we're, we're still in the early days, I think, with the waste plastics. Um, like one of the big, the big um, feedback we got is, um, is cost. So like, you know, for example, like the, like the amount of labor that goes into creating waste plastic sheets, um, it's, it's, it's quite big. Quite large. And, so, and at the yeah. moment we do everything by hand. And so a big thing for us has actually been we need, a, we need a partner of a manufacturer to be able to bring the cost down. So it's funny, yeah, like you, you recycle plastics, but the labor that goes into it actually makes it, you know, like pretty, pretty expensive. Most prohibitive. Like a, tr like a yeah. trestle table, you know, it's about 600 mil by 1.2 meters and you get, you know, three different heights with legs. You know, like in order that for us to work, we have to sell that for 650. Sure. Um, and that, you know, like, I guess it depends on who we target, but the general collective market usually are, I mean, we sold some to schools. But um, I think maybe the vast majority might be, you know, like residents and they buy stuff for home and it, it might not be. So we, we managed to sell like a handful, yeah. but it hasn't quite got you're to not, that critical. You're not really shipping the critical amount you need. 
Yeah, I yeah. See. I see. And so, and so everything we do is just go, okay, cool. We're going to try this, and here's the feedback. Okay, cool. So how do we then pivot and adjust the feedback? Mm-hmm. Um, I so think Tara's still on board process. with that journey as well. Uh, we, we would love to say yes, but no. Yeah. Um, I think since we since we developed the process with them, um, the sustainability the sustainability manager that we work with. Um, he, I think he, he resigned. He actually, he's actually become a really good friend of ours. Right. Um, so he resigned and then the new, and then the new manager, I think, I think it was more like, no, 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 only come and like, she, so she, the impression she gave us was like, no, we only want to, we only want to work like really big players and you guys oh, are not I a big see. player. So come speak to us once you're a big player, big player. Yeah, <laughs> which is, you know, like part of the journey. And so part of the, yep. part of the journey for us is being like, okay, cool. Let's, you know, let's take the plastics on ourselves and. Great. And grow that, yeah. Great. Yeah, okay, yeah. so that is still something that you are pursuing. It is. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, So I've just come and said hi to you, and I've walked into your workshop, yeah. which is a workshop on school grounds, mm. which is a fantastic place to yeah, be. Yeah. I love that. You really are integrated into the community here. Mm. And what you're building in there, there's wood everywhere. Yeah. Plywood everywhere. <laughs> it's a big mess, no? <laughs> it's a beautiful mess, though, right? It's a beautiful mess. There's, there's sheets of wood ready to be cut. There's offcuts. Yeah. But then stacked around the room were, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten mm. things that I thought might have been boats at first. Yeah, yeah. But they're coffins, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. They are coffins. Um, we, we call them resting pods. Resting pods. And Sorry, so, not coffins. Um, resting pods. Yeah, yeah. Resting pod coffins. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they... So, and that... I think that came about a few years ago when... Um, a funeral director approached us with the hope of wanting to introduce. She had originally said that we, hey, look, I want to do a three D printer coffin. We said that three D printing, you can't quite do that at that scale yet. But here's the next best thing. And so again, like we pitched her back and we said that, like you know, like we know this is what you want, but but here's here's this option. And so we um we end up designing kind of this. I don't know how do you describe it, but like um like a we 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 were seeing a lot of coffins. Like kind of look like you know Count Dracula's yes you know like yeah. Count Dracula's tomb yeah and we want it like we asked like is there Square a way for us to yeah yeah the same shape all the time yeah yeah and we asked is there a way for us to break out of that that was the original challenge right and the other thing that her the challenge she gave to us is that look we I wanted to create an innovative three D printed you know coffin that's um that's sustainable and it doesn't cost the earth you know to make because uh, like especially in our community there's a lot of um potentially a lot of like um polynesian families and Tongan families will spend about you know like over sort of five grand to get like a really flash coffin um and yeah like it, it kind of cost the earth and so yeah. our target was originally let's 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 do a first coffin and let, maybe let's pitch it at a like sort of like the lower mid-range area so about you know like two and a half grand yeah um and so yeah that was the, that was the brief and we came up with this idea of um the resting pod so we, we like the the analogy of the seed you know, that replants the body back into the earth. And then when you open it up, Beautiful. it kind of looks like a boat that you kind of take you on your last journey. Ah, so it is intentional to sort of look like a boat. Okay, I wasn't way off there. I'm going to say yes. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Make me feel better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, that's how the resting pods came about. Um, and yeah, and at the moment, um, we got a contract to do 50, um, but then, and we're, we're fulfilling the order of the first 10. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. Hmm. and I've seen them. I've seen a finished product, almost finished product, and it yeah. does look beautiful. And Thanks. if I get yeah. your permission, I'm going to take a photo I'll and, go for it. and yeah. share it with the world because yeah. I think these are fantastic. And so that, that's a that's a a commercial project that yeah. came your way. Yeah. But rather than just greedily saying, "Awesome, yeah, let's take as much as we can from this," yeah. you've actually said, "Hey, what, what? Let's look at our community. Yeah, how can we actually produce something that our community can afford that is actually going to benefit our community?" Yeah. 
um, as yeah. well as saying, "Yeah, give me the money," right? Yeah, at least that that was our that was definitely our intention. Um, and, you know, another feedback that we learned that as we were um, as we were developing these coffins, it was, it was quite funny. But um, like our like this, the mums and you know parents came in and had a look at them, and then and then their their, their response were like this. So so this, these are um, you know these are like Polynesian, you know, Maori cultured um, from Maori cultures and stuff. They were saying, "Oh, oh you know, like." why is it unfinished and and we're, we're, we're trying to figure out like why what, you know like what what do you mean like um it's funny right so that's one feedback from a local community yeah. whereas like you know like you know people like like ourselves like millennials you know like middle class people they come in they say like oh man i love it like yeah. it's such a shame that i have to die to get one of these you know <laughs> yeah. and so like um the feedback from a community was was really interesting and so we learned yeah. later on that actually you know like people um, there's also like, yeah, so like, you know, like, if, have you ever been to, you know, like, um, a house of someone, you know, who's Samoan or who's Tonga, it's actually, there's a lot of texture, there's a lot of textile, there's a lot of wood. And so like from people from that culture, you know, what they want is a sleek and shiny, beautiful uh, box. And they're really, they're and, actually kind of happy to, well, not, maybe not happy to pay for it, but that's why they're paying the money is because they actually want they They, they want, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they want this like sleek and shiny box. Whereas like, you know, like people like us, you know, like we go home, we've got our flash iPads and we got our, you know, like Apple products and sleek, you know, clean, modernist trim. Like we want some texture. We want some, you know, like some of this like natural kind Something of product. a little more raw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Natural, and so actually yeah. like the, the intention, yeah, like I think the intention, our intention was it would be nice if it did sell in communities like this, but it, it wasn't quite, you know, like quite the, quite the thing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, but then, but then kind of the hope for us is that like if we were able to streamline the production of this, there's like, I think there was like two or three, you know, single dads that we know in this community um, who are just like, it's got the most generous spirits, um, the caring hearts, um, you know, like turn their life around, but they're kind of stuck in this like um, benefit cycle that we want to be able to bridge, you know, scaffold and, and, and to go, just go eventually go, hey, look, we've got an order of this much. Um, we're going to give you the contract to build it sort of thing. And so that's, that's, that's the kind of thing. But, but as, as, as anything, when you start a business and stuff, um, yeah, to, you know, like to, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's really I hard. That. I really love that. That last <laughs> yeah. thing you said there about, yeah. about this, you could quite easily look at this, maybe not you, but someone could look at what you're yeah. doing here and say, oh, wow, we're revolutionizing or changing the, the coffin industry. There's a massive market here. Think about how many people are going to want some sort of, and you could go out there and you could try to produce hundreds, thousands of these things and sell yeah. them to the other funeral directors. Yeah. But what you're doing is not that. You just said to me, what you're going to try to do is find some people in the community who can take this on themselves Yeah. and do that themselves. Yeah. Well, not you. Yeah. And you'll move on to the next thing. Yeah, well, definitely. I, th I think that's to, amazing. To follow on what you're saying, I think there's a, um, you know, like a big part of our, you know, core papa or sort of philosophy is, um, success looks for, looks like for us doing ourselves out of a job, and so I mean going back to your you know to your to your statement about other funeral directors like we still need other funeral directors to come on board and be able to distribute and scale this product, but then we will say that hey look you know maybe we hold um, you know for us to make it work for us we hold IP and we hold the ability to you know partner with people that signs a social impact agreement that they will hire people from our community that'll be able to do this. Um, yeah, so still trying to find ways to make it work commercially, but still be able to, you know, create the outcome, which is, you know, employment for hardworking mums and dads who wants, you know, who wants, who wants to, 
like who wants dignified work yeah and so yeah that's it's commendable it's 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 hard yeah it is hard <laughs> we're yeah. not there yet but it's yeah, hard yeah, 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 yeah sure yeah. as i say I, I think the journey is early it may feel like you've been toiling away at this forever but yeah. i think the journey's young and i uh, you know yeah, i think thanks, it's early man. days and i think there's i think there's a good future here thanks, so let, let's yeah. let's talk about the fact that um and you've brought this uh, to my attention a couple of times mm. you do have a young family yeah right you've got a family yeah. at home and so you do actually need to look after them support them so yeah how are you how are you ultimately finding the juggling of all of this great work that you're mm. doing and all the social good that you're doing mm. and the fact that sometimes you just need to take a paycheck home and look after yeah, the family. yeah 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 it's it's never it's never um it's, it's never a straight line and, and i don't think we've cracked it um you know but i mean i've somehow i've managed to make um so andy's on part-time i'm on full-time and i've been doing this for the last you know three years just managed to do that and Great. so um I'll, I'll probably say that like you know like if you're single you're not married um you know make sure that you talk you be very clear about what your bottom lines are before you get married <laughs> and so like you know like I've, I've i've hit the i've hit the jackpot marrying my wife who i think when we yeah when we were sort of dating and stuff like we were you know we both of our values were really strongly aligned Great. we knew that like you know we knew that our life wasn't was was going to be was going to be like an adventure like this it's not a good, just going to be like you know like com you know like a comfort job and that kind of thing and so that's really massive and actually my wife is powerfully supportive wow um so i'll say that that's 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 key right yeah. to have that at home and the other thing is actually have the right community of support around me and so because there are days where it's like like where i do feel like man i'm, I'm just i'm just crazy like this is this is ridiculous like why you know like why why am i giving up um yeah, like all my all my peers, you know, have gone on and become, you know, architects of these like really like trendy architecture firms. And um, there's, there's days when it's dark and you're like, man, I'm just like, you know, like kind of just feels a bit like I'm just like, you know, like like squandering in the dirt. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, but you talked um, about the community around you. Yeah, do yeah, they, yeah. Do they pull you back in? Do they definitely, make man? You and so what and so, doing here? yeah, man. And so like, I've got really good support networks community people that understand values that understand what we do the things like this and if there's um we're part of a community of faith called Incido and they they support um they're massively supportive for Did us Incido Incido yeah, yeah 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 you should, you should look them up oh yeah I'm, I'm intrigued people, yeah yeah there's um yeah there's a, there's, a, there's a really good friend of mine that you should interview in New Plymouth called Glenn Bennett oh yeah perfect man <laughs> yeah, yeah New Plymouth sounds like somewhere I want to go so yeah, that's awesome. yeah 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 so um and that's massive man and having best friends around you that yeah it's 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 you know it's it's never self-made um it's it's always yeah like I, i'm just a product of my environment there's there's nothing special about me like <laughs> i know? don't know about that but yeah. I, understand, I understand what you're saying i think you're super modest about that yeah. but, I, but i do get what you're saying yeah right? yeah. yeah yeah we mm. are nothing without those around us eh? oh massive yeah, yeah. massively yeah, yeah. Mm. so are there any other um when I when we were talking about the coffins there, you said, oh, actually, these coffins have kind of been on the back burner for a little while because yeah. we've had other things come and go. Yeah. So, what other little bits and pieces have you been working on lately? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I can maybe I can um just be brutally honest about where we are. So, like, when we started, um, one of the things that we we're really, really, really passionate about was participatory design and co-design. Um, so design service. And so when we like one of the things that we were really good at is um facilitating you know, you know i think i think a couple of years ago um auckland council across you know across the school they had a community center um and the community center was struggling with disengaged communities right because they you know they didn't know at the time but we knew that their management was really bad and people were you know take get taken on this journey and so, and so they approached us to design a fit out um for an underutilized community facility asset yep 
And so for us, it's been like, um, one of the biggest things that really excites us is actually the design process that includes people um, and that like, you know, like anchored into a real opportunity so that like when we go, like um, everyone is a, is a designer and that the space in itself. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm not being very clear while I'm waffling a bit, but when we started, I think it's, um, we love doing a lot of these, I think like the community participatory design sort of projects. Yeah. Sort of in between, um, you know, like people who's got the power, who the stakeholders and then people potentially who are local residents who don't have as much, you know, power in, in that way. And so, um, yeah. And so we got a bit of feedback after that saying that maybe, maybe it was better to, you know, to build a sustainable business is to do a product development business. Yep. And so we, we, you know, we, we then committed sort of two and a half years doing the product, the coffins, the plastics and the individual products to learn that like, to get it to a self-sustainable place, you need capital. Like Andy and I put in 60 bucks to do start critical. We don't have any capital. 60 bucks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah great. Um, and to, and to be able to scale that and, and then the margins are really tight and yeah. everything else. And so actually, and like the thought, you know, for us as like creatives and problem solvers, the thought of like building a plastics manufacturing business, spending three years to spend 15 hour days, you know, for like six days a week. Like it was an idea that was just a killer for us. Yeah. And so like, like the pivot, the recent pivot actually to made is actually go back to do what we do really well, which is to, um, to offer a design service. Um, and the idea is that like, we want to, we want to like, again, like we want to work with organizations, um, from the public and private sector to solve problems for them, whether, if, whether they want to innovate a new product or a new service, or they want to develop a new space. And the way that we'll run our social good is that we're going to hijack the process by inviting our neighbors to come on, come along that journey with us. Fantastic. And so, um, we're actually going to pivot back into a, into a design, design. service, yeah, design yeah, yeah, service. Yeah, rather than construction and, or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with the, with the, th with the things that we've created right now, um, we're going to try and find partners that we, so that we, we don't get stuck in this, in, into this mindset. We have to do everything ourselves. Cause that's probably something that's been, um, that's, that's, that was, that was killing us maybe a little bit. Right. Um, Good but, learning, but yeah, but then again, you know, like spending two and a half years, you know, like sort of doing, um, all the product stuff has meant that we've got the skills and the ability to actually go to not just go in and brainstorm a new idea, but to actually be able to pull it off. It is all part of the journey, right? You part had to journey. go through that yeah. two and a half years to, yeah. To, to build up those strengths and now to be able to go and do what you really want to do. There. Yeah, yep, there is yeah that. definitely, yeah, sure. man, definitely. You had a couple of really, really, your website um, is beautiful. There's some great words on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you had a couple of really cool quotes on your website. Yeah. And one of them was, and this is completely out of place for what we've been talking about here, mm. but you talked about the community being priced out of their homes and out yeah. of their land, right? Yeah. And you said something on there and you said, what would happen if the value of land was the creative capital of its people? Yeah. Now, I don't know who wrote that. Andy yeah. or you. I did, yeah. You yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I love that idea, yeah. right? So yeah. rather than the value of land just being some arbitrary figure that the government yeah. dreamed up or something, it's yeah. the, and I'm going to repeat that, the value of land was the creative capital of its people. That's right. What a cool idea. Yeah. I, I think... Um, that's Yeah, that's a big one, man. That's a, that's a big one to break into. But, you know, like... Um, like the way that we value land at the moment is, um, you know, like it's it's a size, it's how close it is to amenities, how close it is to city centers and stuff. And one of the biggest um, thing that we, we, you know, we take out of the equation is actually the people that makes, that makes the neighborhood. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so I think, um, I think it was, I think that that quote came out of um, my thesis year in doing architecture, which was one of the precursors of um, early, what well, one of the reasons why we began Critical. Was that we were looking at like we were seeing that you know like the most like being an architect sort of thing like we were seeing that the most successful 
um, spaces were the informal places. It wasn't the building themselves, but it was everywhere around the buildings. You know, it's a bit like the analogy of like, um, yeah, like you give your, you know, you're like, you give your, you, you buy your kid like Tickle Me Elmo, the toy, right? And, and, and he or she will play with it for like, you know, like play for a week and they get bored of it. But they were like, they were, but he will always go and play in that cardboard box because Tickle Me <laughs> Elmo, it's, yeah. it's, it's singular, right? But a cardboard box, it can be anything. Can be anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, and so there was this, there was this thing of, um, not, I wasn't too sure where I was going with that, but like, there's this thing of like, yeah, like all the most successful spaces, um, were the ones that people can control and develop and define themselves. And so in our community, those spaces were your front lawns, were kind of like the um, the driveway in between the two houses. There were the there were the streets where the boys would play rugby and form a rugby in. And so it was it was looking at like wow like is there a way for us to like qualify this kind of value so that like and one of the responses was designing with our neighbours like these these ideas of these trolleys with the hope that like our neighbours can use these trolleys to almost like physicalize these really successful spaces they might push together and and you know like create this like informal market um in the park but they don't have council permits right and so they they would self-organize and self-gather these and create these like public spontaneous spaces um and then if council comes to the oh hang on a sec you haven't got a permit to do this but oh yeah okay sweet that so they'll they'll just push their trolleys back home which is two minutes down the road um and then if people and then people drive past and they go oh wow like this 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 community looks like it's buzzing like i want to invest and buy a house here and and be part of this like they have to do that because of the reason is is, is because the people they have to do that they have to move in um they have to do that in conjunction with people because if you buy that person's house and you push them out the reason that you want to move into the first place disappears and so it was a play of like is there a way for us to yeah like as an architect it's not about me making the decisions i'm not the expert but how do i give the tools create the right process for everyone to be the expert for everyone to you know like develop the future of their neighborhoods perfect and that brings us full circle to critical so. and yeah. your your direction for the future right i i hope so yeah I, I, um yeah I, we, we we get really scared of you know like um just feeling like we're, we're doing such a big shotgun approach and people don't really get what we do like it took it took our wives um it took our wives like two years to figure out what we're trying to do it wasn't until we, we built a coffee table like ah, oh, so this is what you do like, <laughs> <laughs> we're like oh man if, our, if it, took, it took our wives like two years to get it then we're doing a really bad job we're trying to do it's going to take everyone else way longer right? yeah, 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 yeah 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 it's not even about the coffee tables to be honest right yeah it's never about but, the products or the thing it's always no. about the problem that we're trying to solve and the value that we're trying to create for people. Yeah. Mm. I admire you. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I, <laughs> I commend you and I admire you for, for embarking on this journey. Oh, thank you. Bro. For yeah. um, breaking away from sort of how we're raised and how we're educated and Thanks, how we man. believe life should go and for yeah, actually yeah. following your heart here on this. I think mm. that's amazing. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. And you, you clearly are really well supported mm. with your business partners, your wife, yeah. your community around you, yeah. and that's awesome. And um, yeah, yeah. I hope things continue to go awesome for Critical. Yeah, that, that's really encouraging, man. I really appreciate these words, eh? Yeah. Oh, no worries. Hey, um, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to wrap things up there. Have you got anything else, though, you'd like to, to mm. pump out? Any other further thoughts, anything we haven't covered that you'd like to to, to yarn about? Yeah, I, I think... Um, the mic is yours. Yeah, go man. I, I, th- I think... I Yeah, I, th- I think something's happening, you know, in our generation. There's definitely a shift in our generation. I think especially when, like, our generation becomes, you know, gets a bit older and, and gets into senior levels and businesses and organizations and stuff. I definitely feel like 
like there's a there's a bubble there, like there's an emergence of like um yeah like an orientation of doing the right thing and so i i don't think it's just me i think there's actually a lot of people experimenting with this and um and and, and i've actually met quite a few of them and, and they're incredibly inspiring and so yeah like um yeah i think if anything else man like um i think especially for i don't know like i can only speak for myself right like um like there's days when you know you you embark on the you, on a journey like this like there's days when like you know like you know i will sit down with my wife and like oh man like crap bro i don't, I don't know where how we're going to pay rent you know on the, on the next sort of in the next few weeks and then and then something just happens that's right and then and then we when we manage to do it and, and we've been managing for the last you know three years like yeah. um and so i think also like for you know people like like me and people like you like like we we need to be aware of you know our privilege like we come from like we've got families right like really we're, we're never really going to starve right when we're, we're mm. not we're never going to be on the street because we're going to have like brothers and sisters and mums and dads like if, if if something really does bad happen we just go crashing the couches right and so and i think so i think that that affords um you know i think for people of privilege especially like us to be able to you know take journeys like this and to find and and, and again to not do it alone but to also find other people who might be on the same journey um you know to, to to do to do this thing with and so um yeah i i think i th yeah I, th I think we're on the cusp of something really exciting yeah you're a pioneer yeah <laughs> there's going to be something pretty special happening in as you say uh, next 20 20 yeah. or more years right things are going to change yeah fantastic man awesome bro it's been an absolute pleasure yeah. to hear your story yeah 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 thank <laughs> you for inspiring me and hopefully inspiring whoever yeah, yeah. might be listening to this thing oh awesome bro i'm, I'm oh, gonna yeah. i'm gonna ask you a couple of completely random questions go man. for it bro yeah um have you ever written a book no, no. no have you got a book in you though and if you do what would it be um that's a really good question um i feel like i've got maybe fragments of ideas that are you know maybe unformed um yeah, there's maybe there's this one idea around um there's one idea around design as activism and like sort of yeah, and something around people activism and closing and ending gentrification. There's one about um I guess like the um using digital fabrication to distribute design and manufacturing um as as options to solve housing crisis. There's one about like I guess just a just a personal cost of um I guess yeah swimming against the tide um yeah i, I think I, the, the, yeah there's there's a couple and i and also like i really enjoy poetry and so i write bits and pieces of oh, you do, stories yeah. of you yeah. know like um bits and pieces of what it's like just pause <laughs> you know like what it's like to be um you know like growing up as an immigrant in new zealand and stuff and yeah i yeah I've, i yeah i i i suppose there's this little ideas i've i've, I've always thought that like if i get to live my life again maybe like i'd probably like be quite into filmmaking uh-huh yeah yeah sure um fantastic if you didn't, yeah. just didn't hear that that was the school bell because we are in the school grounds i expect yeah. we may or may not get swamped by some kids soon yeah wonder yeah. what this combi's doing parked in the backyard <laughs> in their school um that's awesome. right yeah. let's go back then to the 21 year old self yeah yeah would you do things differently if you were in that second or third year at university mm. would you do things differently or would you have like to continue on this path yeah i i i i embrace i guess i embrace everything you know Great. like the um you know like the, the feeling of going through uni and, and feeling the sense of yeah because it's, i think that there's a saying that um 
there's a, there's a certain like creativity to suffering. You know, so for me, like growing up as an immigrant um, in New Zealand in the 1990s, there was a lot of racism, but I would never trade that experience for anything else because it's, it's given me this, it's so given me this, um, you know, it's so given me this like strong, this, this, I guess this empathy towards other people who might be in a, you know, be kind of be marginalized or sidelined by society. Um, and I think, you know, the uni is probably one of the, the best experience, like the, the pains of experiencing uni is probably one of the best experiences. So like in my last, yeah, I can tell you, in my last year at uni, um, um, I did the whole thesis on gentrification and I, and I loved it. Right. Like I, you, you, can, you only had to write 16,000 words. I wrote 40,000 words, <laughs> um, and did this design process and it was just, it was, you know, it was so fulfilling. Um, it took the it took the university about a year and a half to get my grades back, and I was kind of like, oh man, I really I really need to graduate. Yeah, what's going so on? I was like, oh, what's going on? And so they said that like, um, okay, so you had two examiners, right? One examiner said that like what you've written was offensive to architecture, and that it's an intermediate age school report. You should fail and never being in school. And I had another examiner was saying, this is the best thing he's read in thirty years of this kind of out of the box thinking. You should give him an A plus. And so you need to go. We're going to give you a C plus so that you can graduate. And I think that. That C plus, like at the moment, felt like a kick to the balls yep. for someone that's, um, you know, being sort of grown up and the importance of a success culture. But it's the best thing has ever happened to me because if I didn't, like, if I if I wasn't outcast, if I didn't feel outcasted at university, I would have it would have never set me into this trajectory. Absolutely. To explore things differently. It's all part of the path you've been yeah, on. Eh? Yeah. No regrets. You're yeah, here today because yeah. of those things that shaped so, you. So I, I don't know who said it. There's a saying that yeah, like so. Um, I, th I think there's a saying that goes, um, you know, like, wear your wounds, wear your s cuts, you know, like badges, you know, or th I think there's also someone that said that, like, you know, like your, your wounds and your cuts, like it's the cracks, which your light shines through. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, like I, I, I really embrace, although it's not fun and it sucks. <laughs> and if my wife was here, she'd probably roll her eyes and you know, like say that I actually take it real. I don't take it really well. It sucks and it hurts. Um, well, it did at the time, but, right? yeah, yeah. but you wear it with pride now. The, the beauty of hindsight, eh? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic. I love that. Dude. Yeah, yeah. All right. One final question, man. I ask yeah. every single person the same question. Oh, man. Bring Com it. Combi road trip. You're driving. Yeah. From Auckland to as far south as you can go. So yeah. it's a slow car, four, five, six days. Yeah. Alive or dead, who is your travel companion? Who's sitting next to you for that journey? Oh. Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. I like that thought. <laughs> Any day, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You love his thinking? Oh, mate. It's Malcolm Gladwell or it's Rob Bell, one of the two. Rob Bell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I know Rob Bell? I don't know if I do, but bro, okay, yeah. I should he's do. A, he's, a, he's a theologian. Yeah. Um, bro, absolutely amazing folk. Um, yeah, I, I went to see Rob Bell because he's kind of this like spiritual father of mine when he came to Auckland. And we were waiting in line, right? So I went with my wife, right? And I was, I was my wife's like, oh, no, you, you got to go meet him. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not into this like fanboy thing. She's like, no, 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 you got to go meet him. Just go get him something. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So I go and meet him. And was, <clears throat> I was in line and I was about like four people, you know, ahead of him. And they see Rob Bell in front of me. And I was just like, this is the most embarrassing. I just like burst into tears. I couldn't hold it together. Wow. And so like I went into him and like I was just like a mess, like in, in tears because he's, he's just being this like, He's been for me this like spiritual father, and then like I couldn't I couldn't have a conversation. My wife had a conversation with him while I cried on his shoulders. <laughs> Listen to my wife like on the drive. I was like I feel like the the biggest like dimwit, like the biggest idiot. Like there's only there's only two times I cry like that. Like the time we got married, and I was saying my vows. The the time my firstborn kid, and the time I met Rob Bell. Like. <laughs> All right. Well, he can sit next to you for four or five days. Oh, bro. Nothing bad. Well, Rob Bell, <laughs> <Yeah>. any day. <laughs>
<laughs> and that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rui, I really, really cool. appreciate your time. That is fantastic. Thanks, bro. We're going to sign fun. off here. Yeah. I'm going to go and have another look around your workshop because it's freaking go awesome. Hard. Some cool stuff going on. Yeah, there. yeah, and, yeah. Uh, thanks for your time, buddy. Awesome, bro. Such Thank an you. honor to be in the, the mystery van, eh? <laughs> the mystery machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, bro. I appreciate awesome, it. Awesome, bro. Hey, welcome back, team. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed that interview and I hope you can tell how much I really enjoyed chatting to Rui. It was good fun. I've got a soft spot for a little bit of woodworking, so I quite enjoyed checking out his workshop. I wish I could have spent a few hours there building something with him. would have been neat. So did that make you question what you're doing and why you're doing it? I don't expect it to change you overnight, but I'm hoping that you can think about some of the reasons for why you're doing what you're doing and, and maybe if actually there's some way that you can evolve your greater community or even just the people around you just a little bit more in, in what you're doing, what your mission is. As usual, there are a couple of things that I thought were really, really important to take away from that chat with Rui. Rui was so open and honest with us, and he was prepared to tell me that sometimes things were good, and other times there were some struggles. It's not all roses. It's not all wildly successful financial stories that some of the other podcasters might have made you believe. He's had some tough times. It's good to hear that. It's good to hear the honesty, the brutal truth about it all. I really love the fact that him and his team were prepared to push back on some of these briefs from these big commercial clients. Remember when he talked about Fonterra coming to him with, with a request, something they wanted to do, and they actually thought about it and realised that what they could do was something related, similar, but actually completely different. He talked about that two times actually. And that's the thing, is that sometimes when we get requests for work, the people who are making the requests, they don't know what you know. They don't know as much as you know. They're not as skilled, they're not as experienced as you. There's a reason that they're coming to you for this. Don't be shy. Don't feel like you need to bend over and give them whatever they want. If you go back a few episodes to episode 6, I think, with Greg Strait, the illustrator, he talked about how he didn't necessarily like his commercial clients' contracts, and he would actually bounce back with his own terms. We're entitled to do that. Just as we're entitled to go back to clients who are asking us for work and saying, you know what, politely, but I think there's a better way to do this. I think there's a different problem you need to solve. I think there's a better approach, or I think we can get a better outcome by doing this. Don't be shy to do that. Remember your mantra. Think about your philosophy, or, as Rui says, your kopapa. Rather than being greedy, rather than taking every commercial opportunity they can get, they look at how they can fit it within their ethos. I think that's really, really important. What is your why? Why are you doing it? And how can each job, each opportunity that comes your way, fit in with your why? And your experiences? Your experiences make you. It's really hard to appreciate at the time that everything you're going through is forming, shaping, and impacting your future. It's all part of your path. That quote that he spoke about, wear your wounds like badges. We've all had some tough times, and I'm sure that at the time it's very hard to look outside of those, to look on the positive side, to imagine how life or things can actually get better based on this. But all you need to do is listen to someone like Rui telling you his stories, to realise that actually, yes it can. With the right attitude, a little bit of positivity, you'll find that in another day, month, year's time, things are amazing. And this experience that you've gone through is actually just an important stepping stone in the big path to what you're trying to achieve. I'm going to say it again, wear your wounds like badges. Your experiences, they make you. All of them, the good ones and the bad ones. So there we go. Episode 8 with Rui from Critical Design, talking about creating art and social good, making a difference to this world. I loved it. Make sure you check out the blog, because on breakingart.net, 
looking up episode 8, you'll see that I've put a whole lot of images of Rui's workshop and the things they're creating on there. And those coffins, those sleeping pods, those boats, they're really fantastic. They look amazing. Go check it out. And until next time, keep up the cadence, keep creating. See ya. <laughs>